You're listening to Portage on CFRC 101.9. Birds flying high, you know how I feel. Sun in the sky, you know how I feel. Breeze drifting on by. You know how I feel It's a new dawn It's a new day It's a new life For me And I'm feeling Good You're listening to CFRC 101.9, and welcome to the fourth episode of Portage, A Journey Through Canada. I'm your host, Ian McCarter, and as you've likely guessed from the Michael Bublé song in the intro, the province that we will be discussing today is British Columbia. Today, I will be speaking with Sherry Hewson, uh, the Director of the Master of Management uh, Innovation and Entrepreneurship Program at Queen's University. I first met Sherry actually at a design thinking workshop that she facilitated uh, for our MBA class. But this is really where I heard at the beginning of it was Sherry's story. Uh, This is fascinating. So prior to 2007, uh, Sherry started five different companies. uh, And and as she mentioned, and we'll get into some successful, some not. um, But in 2007, her and her husband decided to move to British Columbia and live as hunter-gatherers in the BC wilderness for seven years. Seven years. So welcome, Sherry. Thank you so much uh, for taking the time today to talk with us. Thank you for having me. Yeah, we're really excited to hear about uh, about sort of your journey and and sort of, uh, you know, leading up to 2007, you, you, we, I mentioned, you know, five different businesses. Yeah. Can you explain that a little bit? Yeah, so I had a, a weird career path to begin with. So I started out, I was a nursing grad and realized I did not like nursing, Um, didn't like nursing career. I still am a firm believer in healthcare and wellness, Mm -hmm. and that's been, all of my businesses have been in healthcare, Um, but I didn't like the career of nursing. So I immediately thought, well, what do I want to do? And I wanted to have my own business. So at the age of 25, I started my first company and uh, it went, it was wildly successful, very quickly grew. We had 75 employees in the first year uh, and then expanded and and grew across Canada. So I sold that in my thirties. I went on to several other businesses, uh, as we've mentioned, four more, two uh, spectacular failures, Um, (laughs) one other very, very successful uh, business venture and a fifth that's, that's just now in its second year. Uh, of operations now. Okay, so going. So yeah, Yeah. I continued to do the entrepreneurial thing all in healthcare. Okay. Yeah, so during all of that, I I did go back and take an MBA um, in my 30s after the first business. And so so you said like some successes, some failures, and then in 2007, uh, you and your husband decide, let's go live in (laughs) British Columbia. Yep, to walk away from it all. So (laughs) we... Uh, made the decision um, 
based on several things. Okay. Um, number one, we both wanted to live off the land when we were kids, prior to ever having met. We okay. met in our 30s. Yeah. Um, and when we, the first night we met, we had a conversation about that. Um, about some of the goals and dreams and things that we had. And one of them that we had in common was this wanting to live off the land. We were both huge weekend warriors. Yeah. So we spent every minute of our lives out in the bush mm-hmm. on the weekends. Mountain biking, hiking, camping. Uh, we, we just loved it. Um, we were When we got together, we became competitive adventure racers. Okay. Which is, again, a multi-day, multi-sport bush um, survival survival competitions yeah, makes sense so we love them they were something we we just our whole passion was was around wilderness right we loved wildlife we loved just being in the bush so uh, both of us had companies um, uh, I was with my uh, fourth business that was wildly successful I was probably on the road 20 days um, a month. Okay. Uh, I was in hotels all that time, sure. um, checking on locations and, and across Canada. So we both sort of had hit a wall of, you know, when are we ever going to go do this dream? Mm-hmm. If we continued on that path, which we could have, um, you know, when is enough? When's enough money? When's the right time? When's, when, when is it ever, when are we going to ever answer those questions? Right. And finally, we just said, we're never. There's never going to be a, a right time. There's never going to be a right amount of money. There's never going to be a right anything. Mm-hmm. We just need to go do it. And so we did. So we made that decision. Um, I can remember walking in to talk to my partners to say I'm leaving. Um, I Talking to my um, entrepreneur organization, it's mm-hmm. Internet, YEO it was at the time. Um, to my forum group and saying I'm leaving, and they were everybody, and even your your family crazy. as well. Everybody like, thought okay. we were crazy. Yeah. So, <laughs> just like when I started the first business, all I ever heard was "You're crazy, you're nuts, don't do this." Right? Um, why are you doing this? Yeah. Uh, just follow the normal path. Like, what are you doing? You're walking away from like your highest earning years. We got all anything anyone could think of mm-hmm. to to say don't do it. Right. We heard, um, but. We were going. Yeah. So, what, um, what was it, what was like the planning like for that? Did you did you plan at all? Did was there was there okay? We think we're going to be in this area for maybe a year, maybe seven. How how did that planning process go? We didn't. We planned, but we didn't plan. So it all we knew is we were going to go live in the bush off the land. Um, we had thought for life for forever. For life. So we had just said, let's just go do it. Okay. So we didn't have an end in mind right um we also knew we did want uh to build uh, a home uh we wanted something really environmentally friendly so we had done a huge amount of research on different types of environmentally friendly homes from rammed earth to straw bale to um earthship which is what we ended up right building right um so we had the plan that what we would do is first go and build the shelter because in canada without shelter so the <laughs> rules of survival are right. you can go Three hours without shelter, three days without water, three weeks without food. So shelter in Canada is your most critical thing. So we thought, let's go and build the shelter first, Mm -hmm. and then we will uh, live as hunter-gatherers. So we actually didn't go straight to hunting-gathering. Okay. We went with a camper. Yep. um, And we searched. Eight years, we searched for the right property. So we needed water on the property. We needed a south-facing slope. We wanted near the mountains. We wanted remote 
So we ended up finding, and so every summer we would spend um, six weeks just touring all through Alberta and BC trying to find the perfect place. So we had bought the property the year before. Okay, gotcha, yeah. gotcha. Okay, so the, this is a plot of land somewhere in the BC wilderness yeah. that that met all of those criteria of yeah. the, the basic needs, if you will. Correct. I, there needs to be wa- <laughs> water, within, water. <laughs> within, a certain, within a certain distance. Okay, yeah. gotcha. And and so you guys had, had camped around sort of before you found, okay, this is it. This is the yeah. spot. Um, and, and so did you, did you just sort of park the camper and, and just start walking or, or how did, how was that first step into? (laughs) So we, we did, we, we did just park the camper, but we knew we were going to build first. Okay. So we needed to get the shelter built. So we parked the camper, um, and we immediately went into building the earth ship. It took us three weeks or three months, sorry, Mm -hmm. to get the, it's a tire and earth built shelter. Okay. Um, so it took us three months to get an enclosed shelter built. Fair enough. Then we got rid of the camper. Okay. We, the house itself was built of uh, tires and dirt. So we had dirt floors, tire walls, um, <laughs> and were buried in the earth with just the south facing wall right. of glass. Yeah. So that was it. That was our shelter, but it was safe, it operated like a cave. Mm-hmm. We were, we, we now could manage temperature. Right. But. By the time we'd got that built, we're now into the fall. So we couldn't go straight into hunting gathering because it's winter right. in Canada. Yes. So we did uh, purchase a whole bunch of food that winter. We we stockpiled and, and sort of survived. Rationed, if you Rationed know. it yeah. off okay. throughout that winter. Right. Knowing that come spring, we would start okay. that hunter gatherer journey. Interesting. Okay. So it sort of happened gradually. It right. wasn't like a bang, we were there. No. As soon as we got there, though, you don't have showers, you don't have running water, you don't have... Of course, yeah. So you're immediately in a totally different environment right? Um, than what, what you're used to. Fascinating. That's absolutely fascinating. So did uh, you, you talked about some of the things that you took with... So like food for, for a little bit. Yeah. What were some of the other things that... Did, did you guys bring like weapons with you? Or what were some of the other things that you brought? So uh, we didn't bring a lot. We basically sold or gave away absolutely everything. Mm-hmm. Um, our primary things that were completely critical to survival. So when we actually went into hunter-gatherer mode, absolutely critical. We both had a belt that we wore anytime we stepped outside okay. of that earthship yeah. that contained a bear spray, a knife. Yeah. Uh, and we also had flint and steel just in case right. to start a fire. Um, but most of the time we did start fire with just rubbing sticks together, the, the old hunter gatherer way. Right. Um, we built traps out of sticks and rocks. We, uh, built our own, um, or made our own bow and arrow mm-hmm. out of rocks and sticks. Um, so we, we, at that point, our primary tools were bear spray <laughs> and a knife. And a knife. And those were, they, they were absolutely critical. And I should add one more th- other thing is parachute cord. Okay. Parachute cord. So parachute cord is extremely strong, very lightweight right. material. Okay. So you can tie things. Yeah. You can um, use it to cross rivers if you need to make something to hang on to. Sure. Um, you can tie it around your waist and rock climb. Like So you could use parachute cord for multiple things. So it was probably our third most critical item. Never would have guessed. I know. Yeah. <laughs> parachute like, cord. Oh, parachute cord. <laughs> Um, so those were our critical things. Okay, interesting. Yeah. So, so there, there you're you're in your Earthship. It's it's now winter. Um, 
can you describe some of those initial challenges, that adjustment? In like, if if you have any stories that stick out in your mind of of wow, I can't believe we survived that day. We had we had many. We <laughs> almost almost died several times. But one of the critical things that is very different from the reality TV shows and survival and stuff, um, you know, like the Mountain Man and and the Alaska people. The people that are actually living out in the bush are extremely cautious. So okay. everything is analyzed. Every river crossing, you don't just plow into it and, oh my goodness, I fell through, like they do in the TV shows. Right. Those are not based in reality. People are very cautious because you know there is no one coming to rescue you. Yeah. So it, you are constantly problem solving, hyper aware. So... As much as people think it's really a relaxed thing, it's a very different awareness and innovative problem solving Mm -hmm. every second. You're thinking through and planning ahead because you've got to get not just food for today, but you've got to have food for the winter. You've got to get enough food to get you through the next week. If you're traveling for a week to a new berry patch or to there was potato uh, wild potatoes on one of the mountains you know, we're out there for two weeks. You, you've got to have some food to get there mm-hmm. and to, to carry on that. Yeah. So probably the most shocking, I think, thing for both of us that we missed the most. And it's a, it's like such a superficial thing, but it was a shower. Really? Um, the ability to shower. And I can remember um, we're working on that earth ship and we've got to get it snowed in August and and we're we're at 4,500 feet where right. we were building, and mm-hmm. and it's snowing in August, and we have um, a bucket of water that we're using to to shower with, mm-hmm. and uh, and it's ice crystals. So you are washing off a sweaty day with ice crystals, and you're just thinking, oh my god, what am I doing? What what am I doing? <laughs> Why am I doing this? Yeah. And so the shower be- shower was sort of one of those. Like, absolute luxuries and when I get in a shower today it is just <laughs> heaven right to think back of what it was like when you didn't have a shower yeah. you know you're cutting we're cutting a hole in the ice to to get water to 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 wash incredible incredible so maybe maybe if we moved on from the first winter and we talked about some of the subsequent um the subsequent years yeah. around you started as sort of, you know, berry picking, and did you have to chase any like like fowl, or did how yes. how did yeah. you get that food that initial? So food? that that we went uh, that that spring, we uh, started right away with obviously gathering uh, plants and roots, um, and berries, and uh, the easiest food to get as a hunter gatherer were rabbits. Okay. Grouse, which are small little wild chickens, sure. for, for people who don't know them. <laughs> yeah. uh, so grouse, rabbit, and fish. Okay. So those were our primary proteins. And we craved, like we were just desperately wanting protein and fat. You, your body was just screaming for protein and fat. Right. Um, so those were our primary things. We uh, also, of course, we did get some bigger game. Um, but that was sort of sporadic. And then you had to dry it all. You had to... Um, and you had to protect it because right. then other animals are coming to try and get that food that's that you're trying to get right. to dry. So uh, we would smoke it and dry it and, and protect it for you know a couple of weeks mm-hmm. till it was ready. Now I'd never hunted in my life, so this was all I'd never lived on a farm. We had never built anything. This was all new experiences for us. So it it didn't just oh all of a sudden right. we were able to do it. It 
it took quite a while. So you, you're really hungry by the time you. You get probably somebody. did it a hundred times before you got one. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. So so um, I remember you mentioning at, at the session around moving through civilization, and yeah. and so starting as hunter gatherers. Can you talk a little bit about that experience? Yeah. So, in hindsight, we clued into this not at the time. Um, so we were hunter gatherers. We had survived like that for uh, over a year. Um, and we'd made it through the winter. We had enough food stored. And, but it's hard. You're constantly thinking about food. So uh, we started to meet some of the neighbors. And neighbors are, you know, an hour and a half drive away, but we're not driving. So you're usually four or five hours one way to go visit a neighbor. So we started to trade with neighbors. We got seeds from the neighbors. And then we started farming. Mm. Um, and so we then, uh, we had to make soil. And we had to find you know, moose poo and swamp mud. And the, the, this is glacier till soil in the mountains. So we had to make some soil and... Um, and then plant the plants and water them, and uh, and then we started farming. Right. Then we added in um, our greenhouse, which is part of the Earthship. Uh, then uh, shortly after that, we added in, and we were trading now with neighbors, so now you had a bit of community. Then we had uh, solar and wind that we brought in around year three or what f- year four. So in now order, we had tech. In in order to get that sort of solar and 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 wind, like what what types of things would you to your neighbor? It's like, hey, do you guys mind loaning me your? How how did that conversation yeah. happen? Yeah. So we at that point, yeah, we actually then had a vehicle again, okay. and went into town and purchased oh, good. solar and wind yeah. <laughs> because once we uh, had that, it. It then it's like the industrial age right. is now we have technology now we have electricity now it completely changed how how we could provide food right so the greenhouse became um, critically important we now had internet we could look up how to do some okay things. Oh. Um, and and so it it was now sort of that industrial age right and uh, and we had a vehicle again yeah uh, but again we were trying not to buy too many things we were trying to do it as as best we could off the land so we made our own uh we did start to buy at that point uh powdered milk yeah uh and we did make we learned how to make cheese and yogurt uh and we had now we had dairy we had chickens we had uh fish that were in our greenhouse pond we Mm -hmm. had uh we went from hydroponic from soil first in the greenhouse then hydroponics and aeroponics so we started to learn technology and then we automated the whole thing and the entire house was a smart home long before smart homes were even right sort of talked about yeah so we had a smart home that actually provided all of our uh, survival needs mm-hmm. so we had a water capture system we had water filter systems that we that we built uh, and made out of all recycled materials we'd go to the dumps and find things mm-hmm. and uh, we recycled all our gray water we had no carbon footprint and and we didn't have to do anything um, to heat and cool the place or right. to water the plant. So it was all automated, and we now could travel and have leisure time far beyond the leisure that anyone has today. So we ended up living more futuristic at that time in 2014 right. than current society lives. Yeah. So when we got home, back to sort of civilization, that was when we started talking about it, we went, oh my goodness, we lived through <laughs> yeah. the evolution of man. Right. Uh, the evolution of society. Yeah. Accidentally. Interesting. So. So it was, re- it was really almost like a, a, a thousand, two thousand years of history in seven years. Yes. Kind of thing. Exactly. A journey, a journey a like journey that. A journey through 
our evolution. Wow. Yeah. Fascinating. And we, we found things that we loved about each era. There was things we hated about each era. Um, and, and it was sort of this um, nostalgia is great. Everybody thinks going back to the land is fabulous. Right. Um, but, but more of it is, is harder mm-hmm. than people think. Right. Um, it's a nostalgic remembering of it right. versus reality of what it mm-hmm. is. But we also saw gems of things that society can't lose from each of those eras right. that, that we need to recapture now. I, I remember you telling me about, um, there was the story about getting salt for the first time. So I, I think you had mentioned around, your, you, you realized that your body was, was not feeling right and it was a lack of salt. Do you, can yes. you explain that story? Yeah. So it was great that I was a nurse. Um, that <laughs> yeah. certainly helped. Um, so we started having a lot of muscle cramping, um, and and we started to realize, you know, we didn't have enough salt in our diet. Right. So uh, we're on the eastern side of the Coast Mountains, and the ocean's on the western side. So we knew we needed to get salt. So we did journey uh, through the entire Coast Mountain Range without trails. Uh, it took 15 days to get to the ocean to um, get seaweed and uh, seafoods that we could then dry and bring back home to have salt. And that was in our third year, uh, on the second or third year on the land, Right. Um, that we, we had to make that journey. So uh, it was an incredible journey to the ocean. <laughs> yeah. um, and you're living on dried food and um, because you've got to get there. Right. And it's easier to just get there as quick as possible mm-hmm. and try and hunt or gather along the way. Right. You couldn't just go get some Gatorade and, and feel, right. feel and better. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, it was a 15-day push to the ocean, and right. it was a spectacular journey. Yeah. So. so you mentioned briefly about sort of the reintegration back into into our civilization. Um, at, at, in 2014, then, um, what, what was sort of the catalyst to, to, to return back to, uh, to, I guess, Kingston at that time? Yeah. Um, there was a, a number of things. The first being that I had aging parents. So, right. so our first thing was I have aging parents that I had really wanted to be here for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that was sort of the first, okay, when are we going to go back? Right. Uh, and that Kingston would be where we came back to. But at the same time, we also felt ready. So we, it was sort of, you know, we'd been on this solo journey um, for seven years. We felt like we'd experienced all of the, the, what we had wanted to experience as Mm -hmm. kids. We had done it. We had lived it. We'd survived it. Um, But we, we, and so we were sort of like, okay, we've done this. Time for the next adventure. Right. And then thirdly, we also knew we had a different message. We had a different message. We went away as environmentalists. We came back completely believing in innovation. Mm-hmm. Innovation and entrepreneurship became right. even a bigger calling through that experience. Interesting. So we knew we had a message we wanted to say that innovation is the way to go. And we also knew it was time. Right. We, we were ready. And and so you just you just sort of come back and and get a flight I guess back to <laughs> yeah. like like I said that must have been a, 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 a did you like leave the Earth ship there and is it still there today or it is it's still there today yeah okay. so we actually sold it okay so we uh, because we'd been driving at that point right. as well too coming into town uh, we'd actually traveled a bit in those final two years that we were there yeah. uh, to experience some other survival experiences so we actually 
did live with a Hadzabi tribe in Africa, and we lived with a Mayan family in Belize, Guatemala, yeah. to experience survival hunter-gatherer stuff oh, from gotcha, them. Gotcha. So we, uh, and when we knew that our Earthship was fully taking care of itself, so that was great. Um, so we we had already experienced, you know, flying and all the rest. Sure. But we hadn't come back where we'd stayed in a city mm-hmm. very long. Right. Both of those travel experiences were bush. So the first thing that both of us suffered with, myself more, was sound. So it was so silent on the land right. um, that coming back into a city world, I, I was overwhelmed by sound. So I actually wore cotton balls in my ears for about three weeks to dull the sound Till I could adjust that there was all this sound happening all the time. And this is just the ambient noise ambient of the city, noise. Of, yes. of the street light. And yes. The, all the... Yeah, so, so sound was worse. Light was worse for Dave um, because we were used to like total darkness. Right. So it it was sound for me, light for him. Um, and, and, and it was harder coming back than it was going. Okay. Which is quite yeah. odd. So readjusting, we actually were naive again about people, um, way more trusting again, way more open when when we maybe shouldn't have been. Mm-hmm. We were, um, yeah, it, it was a different, we had to relearn some city survival skills right. uh, when we got back. Well, I just think when you when you get back, there were, the smartphone was Correct. there, the <laughs> Facebook, yes. Twitter, all of these None of that existed things. before we left. And and you you missed all of the Obama years, I'm sure. Yes. And, and so so how did you even did you did you go and start reading a newspaper from 2007 and move forward? Like how did you <laughs> did you catch up on on news or was it even important? We didn't. We didn't. Okay. And the news was not important. We did have internet okay. for the final three years on the land. Right. Right. Um. So we we had read a lot. Okay. So reading, 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 reading was right. a big part of what we did. Um, so we knew about everything that was happening, but we didn't know how to use, you know, we hadn't joined Facebook right. or any of those kind of things. So one of the first things we did is we hired a 20 year old student <laughs> from Queens Perfect. and said, can you bring, please bring us up to date yeah. on all the technology from 2007 till now yeah. and everything that people are doing online, you need to teach us and get us signed up and get right. us using it. And, and so we actually hired him. Uh, he worked with us for four months. Um, to get us up to speed. And I think we, we jumped, we leapfrogged actually probably over <laughs> people our age. Sounds like it. Because we just went from, okay, let's, we're back in. Yeah. So, yeah. Amazing. And it, it, it really sounds that, that sort of that reintegration back and, and now at Queens here, it, it sort of, as you mentioned, dovetails into that focus on innovation and entrepreneurship yeah. that certainly came came through in, in the session that you did on design thinking. Yeah. Um, how have you found that some of those experiences, do, do you call on those during those sessions or, or how do you find that those lessons that you learned there are applicable today? I think the biggest lesson that we learned was that evolution and innovation and progress are the right way to go. So going away as an environmentalist and sort of angry with sort of the corporate world that we thought was destroying um, the planet was was completely wrong. Mm. The innovations that we have com- showed us that through those seven years, thank God we've innovated. Every innovation we've come up with has evolved um, and saved lives and changed our lives for the better. 
all of what we clued in is every innovation has a side effect, has a downside. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you can't predict what that downside will be when you start the innovation. But as long as we keep innovating on the downside, we came back believing that our human minds, our best survival skill is our ability to innovate, to get to make our lives better, to solve every problem we have. And if we keep innovating on every problem that we create, we will continue to evolve into better and better and higher level uh, functioning. And I think eventually we will be living a life of creativity, innovation, culture, right. um, far more than we are today because we will we will find ways to get there, which mm-hmm. is how we ended up in that final um, year was completely free in time, money, no carbon footprint, right. and, and ability to just learn and grow and expand. So we I use a lot of the innovation is our greatest survival skill mm-hmm. and there's new ways to do it and it's not somewhere in the middle between um you know the capitalist and the environmentalist it's not somewhere in the middle of that it's totally different from right there. so Fascinating. a lot of that comes out in the stories that i tell definitely i can i can definitely hear that so thank you sherry for for taking the time to tell us about your fascinating story living in the wilderness um just mind-blowing some of the things that that you went through thank you very much it was a pleasure to be here yeah i'm i've got i've got a million more questions uh, but just not enough time in the day i think to ask them but again thank you so much uh and thanks everyone for tuning in uh, to portage here on cfrc this show is produced in collaboration with cfrc at queen's university kingston ontario with infrastructure support from queen's faculty of engineering and applied science CFRC is located on traditional Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee territory. Find more great podcasts at podcasts.cfrc.ca.